paid, and because of your mercy and your grace through your son Jesus, we come to you this morning in thanksgiving and in gratitude for all that you've given us, and we pray that you speak to us through your word, that you would help us to understand this lifestyle of stewardship that you have called us to, to be wise managers of this gift of freedom that you have given us in your son Jesus. Speak to us this morning as we turn our hearts and our minds toward you. Would you help us to understand how we can worship you, not only with music and songs of praise and prayers of thanksgiving, but with our time, with our talent, and with our treasure. And we will praise you and thank you for the ways that you not only bless us, but you make us to be a blessing to those around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. It's good to see you today on this hot, muggy, and I'm from Phoenix, come on, it is humid, man, I was, uh, had a chance to go out and play around a golf on Friday with uh, Scott Neal from church here, it was my first round of golf since I moved here, so I got to, you know, figure out how to dial my swing in again, and about halfway through the course, we were walking the course, I'm like, where's all the water? In Phoenix, they have like water buckets every hole, and there's no water. I started getting dizzy and hot, and was like, whew, man, good thing we finally found a water fountain, I was able to fill my bottle, but oh, man, it's summer, summer is upon us, and uh, Tammy and Lucas and I get to go for vacation starting this next week, so we're excited about that. Uh, and as we wrap up our series on stewardship today, I just want to warn you that I, I feel like I have to get in all my last words before we leave for a, a few weeks so that, you know, so we can leave you fully fed. <laughs> we are on our last of four Sundays on the biblical concept of stewardship. And uh, as we said on the first week, if you're newer to the church, you're visiting with us, we don't want to scare you off. You're like, oh, great, we're checking out the new church and they're going to talk about giving money to the church. That's not what stewardship is all about. Yes, money and our treasure is a part of our stewardship in our spiritual life with God, but stewardship is so much more than that. We've talked for several weeks about how stewardship really is Jesus' spiritual approach to living life in every aspect as our worship to God with all of our time, our talent, and our treasure. Stewardship really is the Christian lifestyle of discipleship that recognizes everything that we have and even everything that we are comes to us as a gift from God. And our responsibility is simply to be wise managers of the gifts that he has given us so that not only does he bless us, but then we can use those gifts to be a blessing to others. Today we get to uh, touch that third rail of preaching called money. And we're going to talk a little bit about the role of money in our lifestyle of stewardship as believers. And I want to turn our attention to the book of 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at chapter 9, uh, verses 6 through 11 to kind of kick us off for this morning. And here the Apostle Paul kind of pictures for us what this lifestyle of, of stewardship might begin to look like and feel like as we as followers of Jesus live into this new lifestyle that he's called us to live. In verse 6 of chapter 9, he says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need... Let me find my place again. (laughs) You will abound in every good work, 
as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply in Increase, supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What a great picture of a lifestyle of freedom and generosity, giving good gifts that, that bear a harvest of righteousness and, and bring glory to God's name. Again, stewardship is about a spiritual approach to all of life that makes every decision that we make, every relationship that we have, every calendar agenda that we pursue, a spiritual decision and an act of worship to God. However, we have to recognize that we can't talk about a Christian lifestyle of stewardship and not talk about money. Why? Because the Bible talks a lot about money. There are more than 2,350 verses that address, in some way, God's perspective on money, wealth, and possessions. And in fact, if you go through and you look at Jesus' teaching in the New Testament, you find that Jesus actually said more about money than almost any other topic. See, money was such an important topic for Jesus because he knew that money is one of those things in life. It was one of those life issues that that we all deal with and that has the potential to be a potential rival for our hearts and our minds to God himself. This morning, I'd like to suggest that there's two views on money, two approaches that we can take to money in this world, and then there's two biblical views that help give us perspective and hopefully a corrective to some of the unhealthy ways that we as human beings are tempted to treat our money. First of all, in the world, we're, we're tempted to spend our money unwisely. Think about kind of a continuum. On, on one hand, you have the temptation to spend your money unwisely, and then if you go to the other extreme over here, you have the temptation to hoard your money stingily. So, so in this world, money becomes something that we either spend frivolously in order to, to get our wants and our needs and our desires met quickly, or we tend to hoard our money and, and save it up for ourselves, thinking that somehow if we can get enough money, we can manage and control our own lives and our own destinies. But in God's kingdom this morning, I hope we'll see that, that the Bible gives us two alternatives. Instead of spending unwisely, we're encouraged to manage our money wisely— So that rather than having to hoard our money stingily, we can live freely and generously with our money, being a blessing to all those that God would call us to be a blessing to. Let's start by talking about spending our money unwisely. Why would the Bible say that it's important for us to pay attention to how we are spending our money? Well, I'd like to suggest that this is especially important to us in our culture because we, in our consumer-minded culture, are conditioned and taught and, and, and tempted to spend money continually. That's a part of the world in which we live. And yet, if we look to the Bible and we look at verses like Proverbs 22.7, if we can pull that up on the screen, it says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. See, the Bible, if you go through and you look at a lot of these different passages on spending and on money, the Bible wants us to be aware that debt can be a slavery in our lives. Now, for us, this is important because the amount of debt in our nation has exploded. Whether it's government debt or business debt or even the personal debt that you and I carry, it almost seems that as a society we've become addicted to living 
in debt. Some of the statistics on consumer debt are astounding. The recent Federal Reserve report says that total American consumer debt has recently topped out over $2.5 trillion. And these are older statistics, so it's probably more than that now. The average age at which an American gets a, their first credit card, 20 years old. Even more scary, and this was in 2008, half of all college students in the United States had four or more credit cards. On average, today's consumer has a total of 13 credit obligations on record at a credit bureau, including credit cards such as department store charge cards, gas cards, bank cards, installment loans, auto loans, mortgage loans, student loans. And of the 13 credit obligations that the average American has, nine of them are likely to be credit cards. The average American household today spends $1.10 for every dollar that they earn. Dave Ramsey, in his Financial Peace University workbook, says that 28% of Americans spent more time watching reality TV last month than they did spending time planning for retirement in the last 10 years. <laughs> the average credit card balance among all the credit cards is about $16,000, with only minimum payments it would take about 30 years to pay those off, and nearly 50% of all credit card holders only make minimum payments. More than 1 million people every year in the United States are filing bankruptcy. As a society, we are out of control with debt. Financially, we have to begin to acknowledge publicly to ourselves and to one another that we're not okay. If you happen to be one of those here this morning that fits these statistics, the point in bringing all this up is not to, to bring any embarrassment or shame, but to say it's okay to not be okay and to be able to speak the truth together, to say financially we're in a world of hurt. And if we're going to come to you as, as uh, spiritual leaders and as, as a church and say, you need to be giving more money to the church, knowing that you're already financially you know, in debt and struggling how are we being wise stewards of you as a gift that God has given us to nurture and care for? In fact, what we want to be able to talk about is if you look at these statistics and we recognize what they're saying is that if you are in these statistics, you are not alone. You are the average American person today. More and more, these describe what we are all living. And, and we want you to know that Faith Covenant Church it desires to be a safe place where we can talk about the challenges of life without guilt and without shame and to begin to work together for a better future based on God's truth. You know, they say people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, right? Well, my wife Tammy and I, we fit these statistics. I mean, we're upside down in our house. We have multiple credit cards. We're still paying off student loans from years ago. You know, our get-rich-quick scheme was to become a pastor and a teacher and take the economic world by storm. Right? That's not working out so well. But we are rich in many, many ways. See, we're not talking about these things in order to make anyone feel ashamed. Just the opposite. We're here to say we know where you're at. We know what you're experiencing. We know what you're going through. And we want to recognize that we as Americans in our culture, as Christians in our culture, we have problems and we can overcome them together. With God, there's a better way and there's help and there's hope in Christian community. See, the gospel according to Madison Avenue is essentially buy now and pay later with easy monthly payments. The problem is that over time, those payments are never easy. 
Because there's one little caveat that our society conveniently forgets to tell us and wants us to ignore and not pay attention to. And that's the caveat that the Bible clearly teaches us if we go to God's word is that when we allow ourselves to become in debt, we allow ourselves to become slaves. Debt is slavery. And unless we can truly come to understand God's perspective on this one and learn how to apply it in our lives to begin a different lifestyle that begins to work ourselves out of debt, Everything else we could say about money as a church becomes moot because we're simply, as, we're, as simply stated by the Bible, we are, we are enslaved to debt and there's nothing that we can do. According to the Bible, when we have become enslaved to debt, we're not truly free to serve God in the way that he intended. See, the deeper we get in debt, the more like slaves we become. Eventually, we don't even have the freedom to decide on where we spend the money for ourselves because all our money is already spoken for. We live month to month and paycheck to paycheck, and all the money goes out the window to all the creditors that we owe money to. And the stuff that we bought with it is already worn out, and we don't have any more money, so we need to go deeper in debt. See, God has always been concerned for the health and the welfare and and, and the, the abundant life of his people. He wants us to understand that things that make for wise choices in not only money, but every aspect of life. Long ago, he counseled the people of Israel as he invited them out of slavery in Egypt and encouraged them not to allow themselves to go back into slavery. In Deuteronomy 15, verses 4 through 6, he said, However, there need be no poor people among you. For in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. If only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I am giving you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised, and you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. You see, slavery is a financial reality. And too often, I think, in America, the land of the free and the home of the brave, we, we are, we're taught to not pay attention to how far into slavery we have actually fallen. And yet the Bible encourages us, is us to, to open our eyes and to pay attention to the lifestyle of freedom and generosity that God wants us to experience through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, money itself is not bad or wrong. Money is either a platform or an obstacle. Money can be a platform that allows us to do many great things and to be a blessing in many ways, or it can be an obstacle that prevents us from being able to serve God in in creative and free ways that we might feel called to do. Debt makes it more likely to be an obstacle in our lives. And that's why the Apostle Paul said that essentially the only debt that we should owe anyone is the debt of love. In Romans 13, verses 7 and 8, he says, Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt of love to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. So we have to understand on the one hand that spending wisely and avoiding debt is an important part of healthy stewardship in our lives. But we also have to avoid the other extreme, right? Hoarding money stingily in a way of somehow trying to think that we can manage and control our own lives. The other extreme is equally a risk. One of Jesus' best-known teachings on money comes from his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, verse 24, where he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, 
or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, the NIV translation here is translated out the original Aramaic word. You cannot serve both God and mammon was the word. It was an Aramaic word for wealth. And it was a capital M mammon, kind of personifying money. And many biblical scholars suggest that what Jesus was, was teaching by using the word mammon is that, that money can become a spiritual force in our life. That if we put too much of our trust and our faith in the ability for money to produce uh, the good life for us, it can become like an idol of worship in our life, actually competing for God for first place in our sense of confidence about what life is really all about. Again, money, it's not good or bad. It's our relationship with money that God cares about. What is our relationship with money? Is, this, is money what we're putting our trust in? Is, is our faith and hope is that if we could just have $10,000 more, then we'd be okay? Or if I just have enough money in my bank account, if I just have a big enough retirement account, then I'm going to be okay. Because see, if we're allowing money to become the place where we truly put our hope and trust for the future, then God isn't really in his rightful place on the throne. And even as Christians, we struggle with trusting God to meet every need that we have, often substituting our trust in God with our own efforts to provide for our own needs. But Jesus said, you can't serve God and serve money. Because if you try and serve money, money becomes a cruel taskmaster. One or the other will master you. We put our faith and trust in God alone. He promises that everything else in our lives will find their proper place. And we can trust that he will meet all of the things that we truly need. See, Jesus knew that money would be a competitor for God. And ultimately, we would need to choose whom we would serve. During the Crusades, there are some interesting stories. This is all the way back in the 12th century. And uh, the Crusaders didn't have enough people to to form armies to go on, on crusade. And so they would hire mercenaries to join the armies to get their forces up enough to be able to battle. And, and these mercenaries would come. And because these were Christian armies, they wanted to baptize these uh, mercenaries before they would send them out on, on war because it was a holy war, Right? So, so the story goes, they would take these mercenary soldiers and they would baptize them before they would send them out. And, and what they would do is they would take their sword out of their sheath, they would hold it in their hands, they would hold it up above their head, and as they went down under the water of baptism, they held their sword out of the water, symbolizing that God could have everything except their sword. I think too often we treat money in that same way. It's like when we come to Jesus in baptism, when we come to, to church on Sunday morning to be, to be baptized again in the presence of his spirit, we, we go under the water uh, of the spirit of Christ, but we hold our wallet or our purse up and go, okay, God, you can have everything else, but I'm going to keep my money on myself. Because somehow we think that we're smarter, we're wiser, we have the ability to control and manage our lives if we can just take control of our financial freedom. Kenneth Boa, biblical scholar, said, money is a good servant, but a bad master. See, when we put our trust in money and the things that money provides, we we face two grave risks. One is we become slaves to debt, or two is we begin to hoard money and and, and try and keep it all to ourselves, thinking that somehow that's going to allow us to be safe and happy and whole. But both outcomes place money as our master. Jesus said, do not store up yourselves treasures on earth, Yes, we need to save and invest wisely, but we 
do not need to hoard and accumulate money for ourselves without being able to experience the freedom to live open-handed and open-hearted. There was a local charity who had never received a donation from the town's banker. So the director of the charity made a phone call and said, uh, yeah, Mr. Banker, our records show that you make $500,000 a year, and yet you haven't given a penny to any charity. Would you like to be of help to your community? The banker said, well, did your research show that my mother is ill and with extremely expensive medical bills? Uh, no, mumbled the director, I, I didn't realize that. Or did it tell you that my brother is blind and unemployed? Or that my sister's husband died, leaving her broke with four kids? I had no idea, I'm, I'm so sorry. So the banker said, well, if I don't give any money to them, why do you think I'd give any money to you? The Bible is trying to teach us. Jesus is trying to help us understand that it's as we learn to be givers that we say yes to God. We say yes to God's character in our life. We say no to mammon and the spiritual force of money in our life. And we begin to experience the freedom that God had intended. See, the good news is that through the cross of Jesus Christ, God has come to set us free from all of the patterns of this world that are caused by the sin and the greed and the lusts of humankind that get us trapped and take us off track of the kind of lifestyle that God has invited us to experience that is the lifestyle that ultimately leads to true happiness and satisfaction. We've been freed so that we can discover lives of wholeness and integrity and meaning in God's kingdom. Why then would we want to go back and make ourselves slaves to anyone or to anything? 1 Corinthians 7.23 says, You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves to human beings. Can you imagine what life would be like if you were to gain back your financial freedom? Can you imagine what a church would be able to do if, if the bulk of the people in the church were, were financially independent and could use their excess money to, to, to bless people in whatever ways God led them to? You see, that's really the goal of, of stewardship is to understand that God has invited us to be able to have that kind of freedom in life to be able to be responsible and responding to Jesus, to God, his Holy Spirit in every situation so that we can be generous on every occasion, as we read in 2 Corinthians. Stewardship has a lot less to do with money and more to do with worshiping God with our whole lives, offering everything that we have and everything that we are to his service and to his glory. So, so why give money to the church? Christians are urged to share generously of whatever talents, abilities, and wealth God has entrusted them to. And I just want to suggest three reasons why we give to the church, and there's a lot more. The first one is that we want to give money to the church because giving reveals God's character in us. God himself is a giver. John 3.16 said, God so loved the world that he gave. See, God is a giver, and when we give, we are entering into the character of God, and, and God is forming his character into us. And so it becomes a spiritual discipline that we pursue to say that our life is not about pursuing more and more money for ourselves or trusting that uh, if, if, we, if we don't give any money away that somehow we're going to be able to make ends meet better. No, it's saying that we're going to live the lifestyle that God has called us to live so that we are allowing him to form his character in us. 
which leads to a growing sense of faith in God and our dependence on him, recognizing that all of the things that we have come from him. And so if we have a growing sense of faith and dependence on God, we worry less and less about where the money is going to come from or how we're going to make ends meet. And we trust that God is going to provide for all of our needs and we see him showing up in amazing ways that we never could have expected. And our faith increases because we're living dependently on him. The third one is that to join Jesus in his work he is doing in the world we recognize that the local church is intended to be his hands and feet in this world. And if you're not connected to a local church in a way that that, that you're becoming a part of the body, then you're not really part of the church in the way that Jesus intended. We've said this many times, but church isn't intended to be a religious club, and giving to the church isn't like paying your dues, and you've paid your, your percentage, and so now you come and reap the benefits of being a part of the club. No, church is intended to be a mission outpost on a mission field, and our mission field is Sumner, and Auburn, and Puyallup, and Bonnie Lake, and Ording, and all the places around the world that God might send us as a faith community. And the reality is, it takes time, it takes talent, and it takes treasure to fulfill the mission that God has given us to fulfill. And if you plug yourself into a local church, whether it's this church or any other church, God invites you to become a full partner in the mission that God has given that church to fulfill. And so your time, your talent, and yes, your treasure is an essential part of your responsibility to be a part of a faith community. Now that's why we also say, hey, if you're visiting with us, if you're just checking us out, don't feel obligated to give to the church. That's not why we want you here. That's not why we take an offering every Sunday. It's not to get your money. We want you to experience the love and the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ. And then if God prompts you to make this your church home, if God prompts you to be a part of this mission outpost on this mission field, then yes, we hope that you will go all in with us, with all your time, with all your talent, and with all your treasure. But that's not something that we start with, that's where we get to. You see, stewardship is a lifelong journey of faith. As we grow as Christ's disciples and are helping to fulfill God's mission in the world, it's something that we're all growing into and we are all working at, no matter what age or stage of life. It takes a lifetime to grow in our commitment and our discipline and our understanding of what's really most important in life. And that's why as a multi-generational community, we have great value for for those of you who are older to speak into the lives of some of our younger kids and our younger families who are just getting started out. Some of those kids who may have graduated from college and have four credit cards and are already in debt, maybe we can help them to get on a, a healthier path towards financial health and freedom so they don't have to maybe experience some of the patterns that we've been through or even some of the places where we are. Maybe we as a church can start talking about healthy retirement and how do you begin to plan at the beginning of life as as a wise steward of the resources God has given you so that not only are you taking care of yourself and your family and the gift that he's made you, but along the way you can find overabundance and excess of, of resources that you can give away on behalf of others and then maybe they were open to discovering ways that God might call us to serve in ministry and in mission because we're free to respond to God when he calls. You see, stewardship is more about the biblical concepts of living in freedom and generosity rather than in duty and in obligation. 
It's Jesus' uniquely spiritual approach to life that opens the door for all life to be lived as a spiritual act of worship to God. And when we get that right, when we start living that way, not just as individuals, but as a community, we get to experience what spiritual life and what church is really all about. I'd like to close this morning with going back to the story of the early church in Acts, those first Christians that responded to the call of Jesus and to look at their experience of church and their lifestyle and see again this picture of the lifestyle of stewardship that exhibited itself among them. Acts 2, 42-47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Men and women, my prayer for you, my prayer for us as a faith community is that God will help us to experience the freedom and the generosity of this kind of a lifestyle of stewardship, not only for ourselves, but so that we too can celebrate daily those who are being saved through the blessings that God makes us to the community around us. Would you pray with me?